In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB, and we are going to get you set for Toronto's game in Edmonton against the Edmonton Elks. There's a few other things to talk about this week. The Argonauts teaming up with Football Ontario, we'll tell you about that. The potential of this being a trap game and whether or not we even believe in trap games, plus your strategy going into this Edmonton game, because it it could well be by the time we get to Saturday that this game against Edmonton doesn't mean anything. We'll tell you why and how the Argos should handle that. Plus, we've got the injury report, OCDC, one thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and our CFL picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, we hear a lot of criticism directed towards the Argos about how old the demographic is and how young kids are not getting involved with the Argonauts and the Argonauts aren't doing enough to involve young kids, etc. We know that's not true because we see some of the stuff that goes on, but I think the general public doesn't often get to see some of the work that the Argos are doing behind the scenes and how they are connecting with the grassroots levels of football as well as high school and, and university football. But I took some time last week at the game to really take a look around the crowd and I wanted to look and say, okay, let me let me just put my put everyone's bias aside, look through the crowd. I was pleasantly surprised by the number of young people I saw at the game last week. It's a four o'clock start. Obviously, that helps. And what hurts is that there aren't more of those. I would love to have more one o'clock, more four o'clock games. We've got one coming up in a couple of weeks, a two o'clock game against the Alouettes. But first of all, that was a, a really nice sign that you saw so many young people in the audience. And, and we know that the Argos are trying to push to get more youth involved in, in supporting the Argos. Why is it you think that the general public doesn't see this or doesn't believe that that's the case and thinks of the Argos fan base as just being a, a bunch of old guys? Well, I mean, I, I guess it comes from when, when, you, when you go to an Argos game, Usually, it's 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 predominantly older guys. Um, it, it certainly isn't a league that kids talk about. I think in general, so that probably skews it. I mean, it, I I wouldn't say most ten to twenty year olds are are talking about the CFL. So uh, you know, I think that's probably where people get the impression is is that it it doesn't have a it doesn't have a place in in that world yet and i would agree with that but i don't think it's necessarily from a lack of effort we see some of the effort that the argos put into some of these initiatives and the one that i want to talk about this week is their collaboration with football ontario they've got a really neat event coming up and this is something that it started out as as specifically a football ontario thing and they have since opened it up to the general public as well so where this began was just in in seeing a, a tweet that the Argos put out. It, it intrigued me. And I noticed that the contact information was to get in touch with Arjun Cahoon. And so, I, you know, former former Argos uh, DB, Arjun Cahoon, uh, Canadian high school standout, uh, Michigan State Spartan Arjun Cahoon. So I got in touch with Arjun and asked him about this event because I wanted more information. I wanted to be able to talk about this and, and know what it was that they were putting out there. 
Uh, and it sounds really cool. So it's it's a $30 expense. And for this 30 bucks, and again, they're they're aiming largely at football Ontario kids. So that what does that mean? That's, uh, you know, anyone playing playing football at, at any level in Ontario, whether it's flag or, or contact football, high school football. But they're also looking at Schism students. And for those that don't know Schism students, that's specialist high schools, major students. Um, these are high school students who have, you know, an interest in sports, sports being the, the specialist there, because this isn't just a, an opportunity to you know, look at what goes into becoming a professional athlete, what goes into becoming a Toronto Argonaut. This whole event is centered around a career in sports, and that doesn't necessarily mean being on the field. And so how this event is going to work is with that $30 ticket that I mentioned, you're first of all getting a ticket to go see the uh, Alouettes game, the the, um, home finale at, at BMO Field on the 29th. But then there's this huge event Wednesday, the 26th, that runs from 9 till 2. And what's going to happen at that event is there's an opportunity for locker room tour, to attend practice, to uh, hang out with, you know, the see what goes on with the players, with some of the special guests they have. And MLSE is going to be uh, talking to this group as well about some of the different departments within the MLSE and how it's structured and how you can have a career in sports that isn't necessarily being an athlete, but some of the other, uh, you know, the other roles that go into working in a company like like Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. But they're also going to cover things like building a championship mindset, building your brand as, as a person or as an athlete. So I, I just thought there's some really cool stuff going on there. It'll be bundled together with, with a, a pizza lunch and, and everything else. And of course, wrap up with that Alouette's Argos ticket. So I just thought something like that could be a massive thing. I I think it will be a tremendous time for kids, especially a kid looking to get into that career. I, I see this really as as effectively targeting high school kids. But yeah, I, I think anyone with an interest in football, this could be a, a really neat opportunity. And I can't really think of a better way to, to get youth involved in doing something like this. I know they do a lot of football specific stuff, but this is a little different from that. So I, I'm pretty excited to see how this goes. Yeah, it, it's nice to see. I, I still wish, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I still wish that they had a better relationship with the high school football that happens uh, in the GTA and and, and and the Golden Horseshoe. I, I still think that's an area um, that needs more work and, and more thought in terms of making those connections. But yeah, I think it's it's a great idea to reach out to the Football Association, try and get some young kids in, especially kids under 10. You know, bring them in. It's a fun game. It's a good, it's a good environment. It's nice and, you know, it's a beautiful stadium and, uh, you know, game goes quickly and there's popcorn and what have you. So yeah, I mean, if you can hook kids under 10, maybe they'll want to keep coming. Uh, you know, it's nice to see them you know, trying. Yeah, for sure. And I think something like this, like they, I just want to add on, you know, with your, what you said about high schools. And I I agree with you to a degree. I like, I would love to see a real push. And the problem is you need, you need personnel. You need someone that's sort of working on this full time, but I would love there to be a specific high school liaison with the Argos who do nothing but get teams out to games and you know you try you do whatever you can do to get every single team in the gta into bmo field for a game and it's difficult because of the time of year that we're talking about but i think 
If the CFL looks at moving the season ahead, starting earlier, which I know has been discussed, that's something that would give teams, and the Argos included, an opportunity to do at the end of the year. It's tough in the fall because teams have their own seasons and it's hectic, it's busy. Coaches have a billion things on their minds, as, as you and I well know. But if this were at the end of May, that's a whole different story. That's the month that they can really take advantage of. June's tough because it's already sort of end of year things. People are wrapping everything up. But I, I love the idea. Games in May, I think that would be a real opportunity for a team like the Argos to to work to get high school teams out to out to their games, out to their early season games, and, and hook them on for that year. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think for sure it has to be a dedicated position because it is a massive undertaking. I'm not... I don't say it lightly like I wish, the, you know, I wish they'd send some emails, right? I mean, you, you get a million emails. That's no good. You need you need something that's, that's focused, that is easy for the coach to do, that is um, laid out for them. And then, you know, whether you offer half price tickets to everybody under 20, free tickets for everybody under 10, I, I do think that level of radical experimenting uh, is due. Yeah, and and I do think like it's it's got to I think it's got to start with a phone call, like a, an actual coach on the phone. Hey, this is Ben Grant with the Toronto Argonauts, coach. I want to get your entire team out to BMO Field for an Argos game. Tell me what I need to do to make this happen. And that is where the dialogue's got to start, not just an email. We'd like you to come out. Here's how. Click this link because I think that it gets ignored uh, because there's just so much going on. JB, let's get into this Edmonton game and the idea of it being a trap game. And there's a few different angles we have to approach this at, but let's first assume that the game matters and we'll get into how it may not in in the next segment. But let's say the game matters. Toronto is desperately trying to win this game. I think this is a terrible trap game. I think we've seen this. Some of us have seen this from months away. Edmonton still not having won a game at home. Chris Jones with the revenge game, uh, and he would love nothing more than to end that streak against the Toronto Argonauts. The Argos are coming off a big win, their first win against a relevant West team. And they're also overjoyed at the fact that the team chasing them just lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And if you're not convinced as to how much they enjoyed that, look at look at the tweets from a number of different Argos players who after that game were talking about how thankful they were at being Thanksgiving for the Ottawa Red Blacks beating the Montreal Alouettes, uh, laughing face emojis. Uh, and to me, look, I know this is a professional team and they're great at turning it on when they need to. You rarely, rarely see the mood at practice, anything other than professional and and geared up and ready to go. But I just think this feels to me like a team that's going to go into a, a game and and not perform at their best because there's so many things that have gone right for them. It's just easy to overlook Edmonton because they've struggled. They're, they're not a terrible team. They look terrible at times, but they've got a really good record or relatively good record on the road this year. They've beat some, some decent teams. They've played one really good game against Winnipeg, one terrible game against Winnipeg. I just think this is a, a very dangerous game. Edmonton is 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 not particularly good at anything. Um, they're okay at running, but um, they're not good at defending the run. They're not good at defending the pass. They're not good on special teams. So 
their record, I think, speaks to them being the same as Ottawa. That this is a team that that should be throttled, really, when you when you play them. Um, so I, I I would have believed in a head to head that mattered, Toronto would come in and take care of it. But the the schedule is so weird. The back to back games against Montreal basically kind of makes the the two games in front of it pointless or or you know they don't have any effect because Montreal can still win the two games and the tiebreakers so there's almost no way to get far enough for Montreal for those two games in a row to matter it's like some kind of weird like double game where your game is worth twice as much so uh I, I believe they can they would throttle Edmonton if it mattered but I don't believe that that's going to happen this weekend I think this game is going to be um, a replay of last year's mind-numbing exhibition game. The exhibition game that wasn't an exhibition game against Edmonton at BMO Field, where we sat there with nobody. It was so bad. It was the worst football game I've seen in a long time. Oh, it was rough. Nobody on either team was starting anybody of relevance because it just didn't matter at that point. And it was, yeah, that was rough. I hope that's not what this is. There's the potential for it to be, but I'm I'm hoping that's not the case. Let's talk about just what one thing you mentioned. In terms of Toronto being better than than Edmonton, Toronto's better at every single position. I don't think there's a single position. I was looking through the Edmonton depth chart. And I was thinking, you know, who would who would I take if I could from this Edmonton team? And I'm I'm not really sure, you know, matching up just position for position. Like obviously, you know, obviously you would take obviously you take uh, you know some of the skill players that they've got over your very bottom of the roster guys. But if you're just matching up, you know, you're starting starting left tackle, starting right tackle, whatever it is. I like Toronto at every single position on the football field, but I still don't feel good uh, about this game, whether it counts or not, whether it's going to matter or not. I don't feel good about this because I just don't feel like I, I just feel like all the stars are aligned against it. And it's really tough for me to justify because I can't I can't envision a way in which Edmonton would win tactically, skill wise. But we see that stuff happen every week. The fact that Edmonton has four wins that's just as many as the Ottawa Red Blacks who did beat Toronto and played Toronto close in another game. They they have uh, found a way to to beat teams somehow and to keep some games close. So um and and then you look at the fact that Toronto hasn't performed well out west. They they've had three trips out west this season. They didn't have to go to Winnipeg this year. That was an advantage in the schedule. They went to BC and got their doors blown off 44-3. They went to Calgary and got annihilated 29-2 in what may have been an almost a worse loss in some ways because you scored two points. And the win that they had against Saskatchewan, remember that was with Jake Dolagala starting and half the team was half the Saskatchewan team wasn't playing because they had COVID. They're starting their third string quarterback and Toronto needed to score 17 points in that fourth quarter, uh, outscore Saskatchewan 17-0 in order to win that game. They came from behind. It looked like they were going to lose that game to Jake Dolagala. Traveling West has not been good in any case for Toronto this, this season. So to think that this week they'll travel into Edmonton and take care of business is really not based on anything that we've seen happen this year. It's based on my opinion that Edmonton is garbage. But in, they're not worse than the team the Rough Riders fielded um, in the, during that COVID week. Like yeah, Jake Dolagala? I do think they are. 
Did you no, watch the not. Winnipeg game? I think Edmonton is very, very poor at almost everything you have to do in football. Now, Winnipeg made them look like a disaster. And I'm and I'm not saying Edmonton's a good team, but Winnipeg was on. When I mean, we saw Winnipeg they can, earlier they can run in the year. The ball, okay, who cares? Right? Who I mean, we we know that doesn't matter. You could run for 120 yards, who cares? I think they ran for 130. And yeah. that, you know, I, right. I agree. I don't think that matters much. No. But remember Edmonton and they can't stop the throw and they can't stop the run. <laughs> but remember that Edmonton thoroughly outplayed Winnipeg in their previous meeting. It's true. And it was somehow that Winnipeg managed to win because Winnipeg just does that. That's these guys what they are do. one, two, three Cancun, though. This thing is done though. I don't know. I I wish I I wish I thought that. Uh, I don't feel that at all. I know Coach will be game. up for beating the Argos, but I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving Edmonton their. I'm not giving Edmonton their flowers. They're just Western Ottawa. So why the game may not matter if you haven't taken a look at the standings and the remaining schedule, like JB was referring to earlier, Toronto currently is up on Montreal by two games, and they also hold the head-to-head advantage against Montreal because of that missed field goal in Toronto's opener, but. What will happen? Suppose Montreal this Friday beats Ottawa, and I expect them to. Now suddenly, that Edmonton game no longer matters for Toronto because no matter what happens, it's going to come down to those last two games against Montreal where Toronto will need a split. Because even if Edmonton, let's say let's say Montreal wins, so now they've got eight wins, they're eight and eight, and let's say Toronto takes care of business and wins in in Edmonton and so then Toronto would be 10 and 6 you got 10 and 6 8 and 8 but Toronto will still need a split against Montreal because if they lose both now both teams would be 10 and 8 and Montreal would have the tiebreaker because they would have won the series two games to one so both teams winning this week means Toronto still needs a split Montreal if Montreal wins and Toronto loses then we're going into next week with Montreal 8 and 8, Toronto 9 and 7, and it's the exact same scenario. Toronto needs a split in those last two games to avoid Montreal winning the division. So, as long as the Alouettes beat the Red Blacks on Friday night, the game against Edmonton doesn't matter. So that being the case, JB, if that if that happens, if Montreal beats Ottawa Friday night, do they have any incentive to win that game against Edmonton on Saturday? No, I, I mean, I think you, why put anything on film? It makes no sense to put anything on film. You just roll in your backups, you roll in Chad Kelly. There, there, there's zero, um, you know, game theory reason to compete in that game. You know, anybody who's banged up, you rest. Game means nothing. It, it becomes an exhibition. You have to get a split against Montreal. I wouldn't put a single play on film. What's preventing it from being full 2021 Edmonton Toronto is that they they have to they can't they can't make that many changes from what they have as their as their depth chart going into the game and they're all obviously traveling uh, well before they know the result of that Montreal game so you can't you can't make that many switches like last no. year they knew that whole week that the game wouldn't matter they, so their depth chart was filled with backups that's right they may they may just end up playing very very vanilla. You know, you're you're just gonna play your standard, um, you know, uh, cover two, and uh, you know, offensively, you're just in the pocket and you're running very vanilla 
formations. And then if you win, you win. If you don't win, who cares? You know, much like an exhibition game mindset. And if that game doesn't matter, like you said, I, I would not have Bethel Thompson out there. I would not have a- anyone that you can't, anyone that you cannot lose right. for the playoff run should not be on that field. Like anyone where you're like, oh man, I don't know how we're going to continue on. And so that's, so that's Bethel Thompson. That's probably Devers Daniels. That might be Dijon Allen as well. Yeah. That, that might be Enoch Mwamba. Like maybe you start Jack Kassar. Maybe you, maybe you start. Definitely. Shane Richards, maybe you, you know, maybe you start Chad Kelly, all that stuff. I, I don't think they're going to do that, though. I just get a feeling that that's not what we're going to see. Now, I don't know why I think that, because they did do that last year. But I just think they're going to go with what they prepared for. And what they're preparing for is to win yeah, this game. There, you have to assume that you need to. There, there's an argument for that as well. I mean, those are always, that's always the question. Do you relax before the playoffs? Um, or do you play hard right into the playoffs? I, the, there, I don't think there's a correct answer for either. Uh, the The team may feel like we want to keep playing good, hard nosed football uh, every single game. We we don't want to kind of take this game up and then have to kind of crank up the engine for Montreal. I, and that's that's a legitimate argument too. I can I can see that being made by the Argos and and full power to it. Is like look, we play well against BC. We want to keep the we want to keep this thing going. We want to crush Edmonton and keep those RPMs up for for Montreal. I agree with that as well. I, I, both sides make sense to me. So I'm hoping for that, obviously, in terms of watching the game. But yes. I, I, you know, strategically, it makes more sense to rest guys. But uh, it's tough. It's tough to say that. Look, last year they took a game off and then they lost in the Eastern final. Like, is there a relationship between those two? I don't know. Who knows? But Maybe. And that's what makes this even more of a trap game, in my opinion. Going back to our, our previous segment, how can it not be when you don't even know until like 15 hours before the game if it even matters? So like, how can you have the same level of focus all week this week when you don't know if you're preparing for nothing well, or not? It, it depends what they've told the players. They may have just said, we are going full go no matter what. Yeah, that's and true. That that wouldn't surprise me if that's their play. That that strikes me more as a Dinwiddie play, and it strikes me more with this team, which has had issues with being up and down and hot and cold. And maybe you want to just you know, where the team is playing well, let's just keep playing well. Let's you know, let's not worry about what we put on film. We do what we do. We're gonna beat Montreal, and I, I can endorse that. There's a lot of injuries to update the people on i've got a lot of injury questions this week because there are a lot of guys that were added to the six game injury list and technically those six games would you know take you well into the playoffs but this the way that the six game injury list works is that you can take anyone off at any time it just means that the games that they miss count towards the salary cap and we saw that with jagera davis who was put on the six game injury list and three games into that he was feeling good and he came back and has has actually been playing i think his his best football of the entire season these these last couple of games so that you know that does happen but looking at the six game list i i i've had so many questions about specific people so i just kind of want to cover the people that i've got on this and and what i expect so the three guys that i are four guys that i absolutely don't expect to come back this year. And again, I don't know this for sure. I haven't been told this for sure, but I we've essentially been told Shane Ray is not coming back. I believe Andrew Harris is not coming back. 
Trayvon Tate, uh, I don't believe, is coming back. Demontre Moore, we've basically been told, is not coming back. Those guys are are out for the season, in my mind. Uh, you know, miracles sometimes happen, but in my mind, they're out for the season. The guys that I'm not sure about, Robertson Daniel, I haven't had an update on, and I don't know what's going on with him. The, the good thing is the team's in a pretty good position right now where they have a lot of newfound depth at corner. And that's a good thing because Maurice Carnell just got added to the six game list and we know how well he was playing. But with the with the reemergence of Robert Priester last week, it it sort of shows again how, how comfortable a, a position they're in because they've not only got solid starters, they've got pretty solid backups too. And then Eric Rogers, I've I've no idea what's happening with Eric Rogers. I would love to see some of these guys added for the playoff run, but he just hasn't been healthy enough to dress since that one game that that he came out and, and dressed for. Then we've got a couple of really interesting guys in Wyndham McManus and Peter Nicastro. Peter Nicastro has been gone all season, but never at any point have they come down and said, no, he's not playing football this year. Early in the year, they were hopeful that he would be playing. And then we haven't really heard that much about it since. I still think there's an outside shot that he's ready to go by the time we get the playoffs. So JB, my question for you is, if Peter Nicastro is deemed healthy at the end of the regular season, do you bring him back for the East final? Or, you know, if if Toronto has to play the the first round game, do you Uh, bring him back not having played? 100%. But he hasn't played all season. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He's, fine. You, he's you gonna throw him in cold. Get, well, he, I, I mean, he's not coming from home. Like he's gonna have practice. It's fine. Put him in. hundred percent. Put him in. I don't and, know. Uh, I don't feel and, as confident as you. No, I'm okay with that. I'm hundred percent. Put him. I mean, maybe, maybe you want to be conservative. You keep him as a, as a backup swing guy, um, just as depth. But for me. Yeah, if if he can have a week of practice, then rock and roll. You know, I think that's that's all you need. He he knows what to do. He knows how to play ball. He he's just a second year player who hasn't played a single game this season. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm week, not nearly as confident as you. Enough, 100% week a week is enough. He's he's a very good football player. He won't need more than a week of practice to to be able to uh, you know, to and then move move guys around into positions that uh, fit them a little better, and you know that that would be. I mean, it's hard to say with the thing at practice. That would be my instinct, but if you bring him in depth and he's just a guy you have on the bench, that's that's not the end of the world either. The other guy that is interesting is Wynnum McManus. I, I really hope for his sake, for the Argos' sake, that he can come back, but we really don't know. It's an injury that can sometimes take weeks and weeks and weeks. It's an injury that sometimes just is a few weeks. But, I, you know, I, I certainly haven't seen enough at this point to be at all optimistic about him returning. But you never know. It's it's weird. And the, what these guys go through, like you can see players sometimes barely able to walk after a game. You know, you see them walking around after the game. You're like, man, that guy's, guy's going to be gone for a long time. Like I, I thought that a few times with, with Dejan Allen, for example only to have him back the very next week because this is what they do. They they have extremely high pain tolerances. They're used to this. This is just sort of, this is football. That's that's how they operate. That is life for them. And, you know, Wendy McManus, maybe he's fine. Maybe he's good to go in a, in a couple of weeks. But I, I think 
I think at the I think at the earliest we're talking the East final. And again, if he's not a hundred percent, what's that point where you decide, yeah, we're absolutely going with him and sacrificing the potential of having an extra guy in that on that depth chart. I think these are going to be difficult calls. I think there's going to be more than one difficult call to make. If you've got a situation where McManus, Nicastro, Daniel, Rogers are ready to go for the East final, what about if you get Isaiah Cage into that mix as well? Does that change anything? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to tell without you know, without seeing the level of fitness and what they look like at practice. And is, is, but in my feeling, these are both really good players to add. And uh, I'm, you know, I'd love to know if they're both back because then it'd be really interesting to kind of play offensive line, you know, matchmaker or, or puzzle maker and see, you know, who can play where, what, who really optimizes where, um, yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting it's a very interesting dilemma. How much how much reps do they need? Is that going to throw time off? But I don't think so. I think you can ball, you can ball. I'm not I'm not worried about you know you gave you know the, the guy who gave up all the sacks isn't there anymore. And looking at the injury report for this week, so there's some good news. Eli Menser, who's on that six game, looks like he should be able to come off. He was full practice the last couple of days. Deshaun Amos, who missed last game, was a late scratch of practice full the last couple of days as well. There are a couple absences, uh, two that concern me a little bit. You got Boris Beattie and Enoch Penny Laye, who are both out with an illness. Um, that, that always worries me in a travel week. Uh, because you do have to leave a little bit earlier. So it depends what it is they're dealing with. And then you've got uh, John Allen and Brendan Banks, who have both missed the last two days of practice for personal reasons. Aside from that, my only worry is looking at Diverse Daniels, who went full yesterday and then was limited today. That To me, that's it could be one of two things. One is just that they wanted, they saw him go full yesterday. They're like, okay, it looks great. You know, your hip is fully recovered. Let's just take it easy today and not not push it. Or it's that he went full yesterday and it didn't respond well. And now today he had to take some time off. So I think his status is, it's going to be telling to, to look at his status tomorrow and see what that is in practice. And if he goes full tomorrow, I think you have to expect he's going to make that trip to Edmonton and play. But, but I think he's another player that because this, because this Edmonton game may not matter, he's a player, if he's not 100%, I, I don't think I even bring him. So going back to that conversation, that's something they may want to think a little bit about with with uh, Diverse Daniels. All right, JB, it's time for your favorite segment, OCDC. Let's start it off with you, JB. You are the defensive coordinator for the powerhouse Edmonton Elks looking to shut down McLeod Bethel-Thompson and the Argos. How do you do it? Hmm... If I'm Edmonton, I would probably just send six guys every second down. Because what do you have to lose? And you know pressure works. And you know pressure gets uh, McLeod off his rhythm. And the line is not really built uh, to handle unstopping pressure. I, I was really surprised how little... BC brought it. I, I would I would do that. I, I would bring I would bring five or six, a lot, um, you know, to to really get after it to try and turn over. That that's the one danger when you play a team that has nothing to lose is they don't really have to play by the rules anymore, and they can play free and easy and blitz 
in ways that a, a normal team would never risk because they don't want to risk giving up a big play. Um, but if, if I'm Edmonton, uh, I'm going to play a lot of cover zero, you know, and just dare, um, dare Toronto to try and run the ball more and just bring heat from every position, just empty the playbook um, to, to see if McLeod can, can hold it together if he's being chased all over the field and uh, that it's a pretty, pretty straightforward. And if, you know, whatever you get beat, you get beat, who cares, right? If you're Edmonton. Um, but that, that is the one dangerous thing about playing them, which is where maybe you don't play McLeod is because I would bring tons of heat and I worry about McLeod being safe in a game where guys are, are essentially just kind of head hunting. And looking at the Edmonton offense and how I would attack the Toronto defense. So what Edmonton did after Kenny Lawler uh, suffered his season-ending injury, they moved Darrell Walker over to the boundary side so that he paired with Dylan Mitchell, who's been a really pleasant surprise. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen Dylan Mitchell play, he's a really good receiver. He he looks fantastic. He doesn't look like a a first year player. Uh, he's a player out of out of Oregon. Um, he's got some really nice measurables as well, but he looks very comfortable in this offense in a very short order. He hasn't he hasn't been with the team since the beginning of the year. Uh, he joined uh, in the summertime. And they've they've been able to get some success uh, from that boundary side, but that was when Lawler was was playing the slot to that side. When Lawler was hurt, they moved Walker over there, which I guess in theory should keep that side strong. I think those are their, their those are pretty unquestionably their two best receivers. The problem is it's left the field side really inexperienced, and they're they're significantly weaker. And we saw the issue that that created for them in Winnipeg last week where Winnipeg could slide their safety over to that side, pay more attention to Walker and Mitchell and just say, look, if you want to, if you want to beat us with, with Marshall, Jackson, OCQC, if you want to throw to those guys all day long, go ahead. And Cornelius couldn't and wouldn't, he still kept targeting Mitchell and Walker. So that, you know, I think that's a real problem for Edmonton. So for me, strategically as an offense, I actually want to separate those guys. I want to divide them up. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that you you change their alpha designation. You can just run formations where they are split, where you isolate Mitchell and you have Walker working out of quads, which I really like. And so that's how I'm going to attack. I'm not going to allow the Toronto defense to gang up on one side of the field and force me to throw as Cornelius to, to guys that I'm just not as comfortable with. So that's how it starts. I love running quads. I really like isolating Mitchell in the quads. I like running underneath stuff for Walker, um, using the other guys, using using Osikusi and Jackson to really clear out space and have Walker cut in behind that. And I, I don't love the way that Toronto has defended quads this season either. And so I think that's something that that the Elks can take advantage of. And I'm really going to take some shots early because I want to get ahead. Edmonton's running game is actually pretty good. It's significantly better than Toronto's running game this season. They're averaging 5.1 yards a carry. The only reason they don't have more yards is that they're losing so many games. They're not really able to run much. They have to abandon the run by halftime most of the time. But even still, their overall rushing yards are like fourth or fifth in the league. And their rushing average is is third in the league. So they can run the ball. They've got some really effective backs too. I I really like Brown. I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy this week. Uh, He was uh, banged up in, in the last game. But 
I've been told it's not a serious injury, and so maybe he will be able to dress. But yeah, he's a guy I really like. So I'm going to try and do whatever I can to get out in front and then lean on that ground game. And if the Argos adjust to take care of that, then we switch to play action and we try and get Walker and Mitchell back into the game, get them more involved. All right, JB, off to the good guys. What is your defensive plan for the Toronto Argonauts? It won't be that different than PC uh, with Vernon Adams. You know, the Edmonton quarterback wants to get out and run. You have to keep him in the pocket. You're not looking for sacks. Just keep him in the pocket. Uh, watch your lanes. Don't don't get upfield and let him, you know, catch a seam and get free first downs. You take away the free first downs. Take away the running back check down. Uh, you play, you know, cover two deep or cover three. Take away the deep pass, and then I think you're ready. You know, you're ready to beat Edmonton. You know, the the, the deep touchdown is the only chance Edmonton has to beat you. Uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about the run game. They want to run for 140 yards. Go ahead. Um, you keep keep the the free drive continuing first downs from the quarterback running and take away the 40 yard bomb. And uh, if if he can throw 12 passes in a row, then I'll tip my hat. But I don't think he can do that three times. Offensively for the Argos, I. I really want to try and work on the run game more for it being a project and something they're going to need. The the Argos are going to need at some point to run the football better than they're running. Now, like JB, I don't really believe in teams needing to be able to run the football. Like, I don't think being able to run the football automatically means that you're going to win games in the CFL. That said, if you can run well enough that teams have to account for that, have to add guys to the box then that does help your passing game. And just as an example, JB, you and I were talking about this this earlier. You look at McLeod Bethel-Thompson's completion percentage throughout the season. When Andrew Harris was in the backfield, McLeod Bethel-Thompson was close to the league lead in completion percentage. He was well behind uh, Rourke, uh, but he was, I think, second, um, maybe third at worst in completion percentage. Since the Harris injury, that has gone down every single week because teams haven't had to stack the box the same way. And right up to the point where you saw in Calgary where not just not stacking the box, they didn't really have anybody in the box. And they were basically saying, yeah, that's fine. You can run all you like because they're not worried about Toronto's run game uh, being able to beat them alone. And so things like that have have led to the, the passing game suffering. So I think just the idea of developing that run game really finding something that works getting reps with some of the especially getting the reps with ryan hunter as well who i think is an asset in the run game and he hasn't been with the team he hasn't worked with the guys as much as as the rest of them so that'd be something that i would really try and do so i want to focus on running the football edmonton's vulnerable to the run and then I think you you try and attack their their halfbacks and two guys that we're very familiar with and Tristan Deku and, and Jeff Richards. I think you can go after them. They had their hands full last week with Dalton Schoen, who had a monster day and was responsible for a lot of people's demise in fantasy football, including our own. And I think you can attack them as well with with Marquis Ambles. He played such a good game at the W spot last week, and I put him back there again. I have him in the slot. And if Tavares Daniels plays and you've got Daniels and Ambles on the same side, I think you can really focus on those two guys. And when the safety starts shifting, then you burn backside with, with Gittins Jr. And, and with Banks and get Cam Phillips involved. But I think it all starts with the run game. Assert yourself, run the football, force Edmonton, to to at least play honest in the box 
And then you start taking advantage of the Edmonton DBs who just are, they're just not uh, up to the standard that we've seen from other defensive backfields uh, over the last few weeks, uh, certainly BC and definitely what, what we saw in Calgary. So I, I think that's got to be the plan offensively. JB, what is your one thing this week? <laughs> As we get later and later in the season, uh, becoming harder and harder because actually delightfully, uh, they have achieved uh, most of them. Uh, my one thing I would love to see, it gets thrown because I don't know who's going to be playing and you know what backups are going to be in. Um, but I, w- I would love to see um, a, a clean... I would love to see a clean game from the offensive line in terms of sacks. Yeah, and that'd be tough if yeah, if obviously Montreal if, if, wins if and you've got backups. If it's not in. a real game, then all the, all that goes out the window. Then I don't, you know, I I, I may not watch the game if it's <laughs> if it's what it was last year. I I still have traumatic flashbacks to that game. Yeah, I have traumatic flashbacks to our post-game podcast after that game. Yeah, that was, ugh, I was so angry. I, oh, man, that's, that's maybe the angriest I've been. I was so angry that I was forced to watch that game. So my one thing is I want to see a touchdown from someone who doesn't have a touchdown yet this season for the Argos. I love that we saw Tommy Neal get his first career touchdown last week. I think there's going to be some opportunities for guys, whether in either way, whether this is a game that that ultimately matters or doesn't, it can be someone like Jeremiah Hadel. It could be someone like Daniel Adebaboye. It could be a special teams player. Like, well, those guys, I guess, are special teams players, but it could be on a special teams play. It could be on a, a defensive score. I want to see somebody new get a touchdown. That's my one thing for this week. So how do you think this one's going to end? You, you were feeling pretty optimistic at the start uh, of this podcast. Yeah, how are you feeling I, now? I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with the assumption that they're gonna play ball. That they're gonna they're gonna play starters and they're gonna you know try and stay stay ready. Um, you know, you know, stay ready. You don't need to worry about anything else coming down the line. Um, so I'm I'm gonna take Toronto. I think Toronto wins uh, 24-14. I am gonna take an Edmonton win for this. And I feel like I've had a pretty good feel for the team the past few weeks. I, I felt that blowout against Calgary coming and that was that was the prediction. Last week I felt a, a win against BC was most likely, although I did think it would be, I thought Toronto would dominate that game and they didn't. I just, I think this has, like I mentioned before, I think there's there's every reason to think this is trouble. Traveling West, not being... 100% focus potentially. And then there's the scenario where the game may not matter. And so potentially you're, you're putting in a bunch of new guys. So I just think this is a tough one. I'm going to say Edmonton wins 21 to 18 is, is my prediction. All right, JB, it's time for our world famous fantasy advice. Uh, we were eliminated from our fantasy league, but because you may not have been, we're going to continue to provide you with a quick fantasy update. So this, we've still set our lineup for this week. We'll still keep playing. And uh, it was unfortunate. It was the semifinals of our league and we got our doors blown off. We actually did okay, but we lost by 50 points because we did not have Dalton Schoen. <laughs> and that, that was enough to do it. So this week, 
Uh, we've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson again at quarterback. His price isn't great anymore, 9335 but I think he's the best option. If you're looking to go somewhere else, if you absolutely need to go somewhere else and you, and you need a cheaper option, there's just not... There's not anything absolute. I might even consider going with a backup quarterback and hoping that you get a couple sneaks or or maybe even hoping, you know, you can see the day of the game. If, if for example, you find out Chad Kelly is going to end up playing, then that could be something you do for $5,000. Or maybe you go with someone like, like Dominic Davis, who is great at stealing touchdowns uh, on, on quarterback sneaks, something like that. But uh, we've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Our backfield is loaded. A.J. Olette. And Kadeem Carey, Olet is 5500 which is a great price. Kadeem Carey, under 9000 which is it's expensive, but 8889 uh, I think best running back in the league. That's a good, that's a good backfield. Rashid Bailey at receiver is a great deal this week. He had a terrible week last week when Winnipeg was exploding offensively. He got nothing and, well, next to nothing. Typically, he doesn't do that for multiple weeks in a row. So I like him at 5,854. And then we got to go super value because I want to get the Calgary defense. And they're really expensive this week. 4,772. But that Calgary defense is going to be worth it. Hamilton has not won in Calgary in something like 19 seasons, which is hard to believe. I think it was, I think it was 2004 they last won in Calgary. And so I'm all over that. Calgary's defense, I think, is the best defense in the league. And you saw what they did to the Argonauts. The Argonauts are a better team than the Tiger Cats. So Calgary defense. But yeah, that leaves a, a budget issue. So I'm going with Jeremiah Hadel at, at the flex spot and Kayon Julian Grant at, as the other receiver. Uh, Julian Grant is $3,000. Jeremiah Hadel is 2500 If he ends up not playing for the Argos or not starting for the Argos, there's going to be other value options there. You need to pick up someone else for $2,500. But... That, all in all, is not a bad-looking fantasy team. I actually feel better about that fantasy team than I did about our fantasy team that, that we sent out there last week, JB. Yeah, I, I I wasn't excited about our team, and then we made some changes, and then I was, but I don't know. I just never, it never felt, I didn't feel good vibes, so it didn't, it didn't surprise me that our our reign of terror came to an end. Still, very, very respectable season. We are, we are regular season heroes. Yeah, and you know, to 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 finish either third or fourth in that uh, podcast league of 16, 16 fanatics, you know, who who know as much or more about the the CFL than we do, I think is a very respectable <laughs> uh, first year performance. We've never played CFL fantasy before you or I, so I thought that was a a good good maiden voyage for us. All right, on to our picks. Uh, this this is not a hard week to me, I don't think, uh, even though I, I know point spread wise, a couple of these games are really tight. Montreal, Ottawa, where are you going with this, JB? I, I, I can't believe, first of all, we know Ottawa, much like Edmonton, for some reason, is terrible at home. Uh, they had the new coach bounce. Will the new coach bounce last two games? Possibly. I can't believe that Montreal uh, will will toss that away. Uh, although it doesn't, again, it's weirdly <laughs> because of the schedule. It, the game doesn't actually mean that much to Montreal either. Well, it does though because if Montreal loses, now all Toronto has to do is win to clinch. So Montreal is going to be trying to win yeah, that for sure. Yeah, that's true. I suppose if, if and you they think haven't even got a playoff spot yet, like they can still get caught by, I, by I like, Hamilton. I like Montreal. I like Montreal in that game. I think they go into Ottawa, 
and um and 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 get that done. I I just can't believe that they're going to lose to Ottawa twice. I'm the same way. I just think Montreal's a better team than Ottawa is. I I loved watching that last week. I was so excited for Stan Ottawa. Stanback's still trying to get his legs too. Yeah, and I think he'll probably look a little better this week. He, yeah. he didn't look himself last week, so I just think Montreal. I I think this is a blowout. I think I think Montreal. Um, yeah, just cleans up early on, takes care of business. Hamilton at Calgary, the late Friday night game. Uh, I'm I'm going with Calgary. Like I said, I don't think Hamilton will be in this game at all. We know how tough uh, it is to play in Calgary, and Hamilton's not very good. They're just about ready to call it a season, and Calgary needs to win. So. I think that's an easy one for me. Uh, I agree because it's in Calgary. Hamilton has surprised me a couple of times this year. They're certainly very capable of, of putting together a good game when they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, but they definitely shoot themselves a lot. And uh, <laughs> going into Calgary, I, I just can't see how they're going to come out on top in that game. But <laughs> knowing Hamilton being... You know, the the Jason from the Friday, the 13th movie that just never dies. They'll probably win this stupid game and we'll still have Calgary in our rearview mirror uh, chasing us. But I'm going I'm going to hope for and pick Calgary. And then we've both uh, already made our pick for the Toronto Edmonton game. I've got Edmonton. You've got Toronto. Winnipeg at BC. Uh, I, oh, that's an interesting game. Yeah, it's really interesting because Winnipeg like we've seen is they're the best team in the CFL. It's it's very clear that they're the best team in the CFL, but they've they've got everything wrapped up. They who knows what their strategy is going to be like. BC really needs to win this game. I think it's going to be pretty tight. I'm still going to go with Winnipeg just because they were able to go into BC place before when Nathan Rourke was playing and get a win. So I just think it's such a downgrade at the quarterback spot. I, I have to believe Winnipeg's going to going to win this one again. So yeah. I think that one's the, that one's the one I'm most nervous about. But I think Winnipeg wins. I, I'm not going to pick against Winnipeg either. They certainly look like their plan is just to roll across Europe like the Romans, and uh, you know, and head into the playoffs playing excellent football instead of you know relaxing and getting soft. So they they seem to be keen to make a statement. Um, <laughs> certainly they did so against Edmonton. I, I don't think they're going to make the same statement against BC, but uh, BC's really banged up. You know, we saw it. I mean, they're they're not the same BC team without that weapons. And I think I think Winnipeg comes in and, and takes care of business too. There's a lot of football to watch this week for Argos fans, and you've got to reserve some time for Friday night. That Montreal-Ottawa game could be really exciting for Argos fans, so hopefully you're able to tune into that one. And then the Argos in Edmonton, that one starts at 7 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. That's just about going to do it for us on this pregame walkthrough edition of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe,